In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, Episode 2, Tony Grebmeyer, and today's guest definitely is one of the real stories behind success, because by 2003, he lost his wife, his business, and almost his life on a path of self-destruction. That same year, he welcomed his new daughter into the world. He was also introduced to cocaine and to the late-night party culture of Costa Rica. Almost killed him, but he got the gift. It literally took the gift of desperation and the willingness to turn his life around and to help him find his true life's purpose. Over 20 years as an entrepreneur and a business owner, he knows what it takes to do this on a day-in and day-out basis because now he's built a tribe in the thousands, millions of podcast downloads, and by getting clear with his intention on a daily basis, he has found his version of success. Please welcome to the show my good friend, Omar Pinto. Thank you, Tony. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. I'm very excited. And as we say here in Costa Rica, pura vida. All right. I love it. So the real stories behind success is really the topic of where we're going today. What is your definition of success? What does it look like for you? Well, I love the name of your podcast. I love the name of your show, the new one, Be Fulfilled, because for me, the definition of success is being fulfilled and having a feeling of fulfillment. I got clean and sober 14 years ago. And in that journey from hitting rock bottom and then, you know, cruising through the next 14, and I'm not going to use the word cruising, right? There was a lot of crawling and scraping and crying and, you know, pain. But as you start to get through to the other side, success to me started to equal getting remarried, right? On my Mm -hmm. 10-year anniversary and, and meeting the woman of my dreams, to be able to sit across from my 14-year-old daughter, you know, and ask her, you know, if you were going to describe your dad, you know, what would you say? And what she would say is that, you know, you love what you do, which is helping others. You love your family. You're a good person and you make people laugh. You know, when I think about what I have worked so hard to do from the moment that I got clean and sober and the first time I held my daughter in my arms, my only mission in life was to make her proud and to be the best father that I could be. And I feel that successfully, I have done that. Hmm. You know, reading some insights on you, 2003, you lost your first wife, your business, and basically almost everything in this life that you know. The same year, you also, your daughter was born that you speak about. So was his newfound reason for living was your daughter or was there something else besides just that? It was my daughter. Tony, to be 100% honest with you, I could have cared less, right? I actually prayed for death, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live anymore. I had lost my wife, but I didn't really lose her. I pushed her away. I pushed my friends away, right? The drugs took over. As I was losing everything, I didn't do a very good job of fighting for it. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. To this day, I don't know what it is. But when, my, when I held my daughter in my arms for the very first time, I just, I lost, I guess, I, lo- I lost myself. I lost myself, but in a good way. Like I had lost myself in the drugs and alcohol, 
And I'd become this like just wretched, filthy, disgusting human being. And all of a sudden I'm holding this girl and I'm like tearing up and I'm holding her in my arms and my ex-wife is asleep because she just had a C-section. I'm holding her in my arms and I'm like, God help me. Like I remember that. I remember just going, God help me. God help me. I do not, I don't want to be this disgusting person for her. Like I want to do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do, right? To not leave a legacy of despair and wreckage and sadness and bitterness and anger for her, right? So I have to say, man, that was it. She was it. All right. So what day uh, was your daughter born? She was born on February 26, 2003. All right. So you ended up having your last drink and drug on May 25th. So from February until May, what was life like with a newborn still being that person? What was that life like for the people around you? I know you lost your wife, but what was it like inside your head? It was the worst two months of my life. Well, first of all, I wanted to get my wife back. She'd already kicked me out of the house. And so I was going to meetings. I was about five months sober. My daughter was about a month old. And I found out that my wife was seeing somebody else. And it just, man, it broke me, right? And granted, I had done everything in my power to ruin the marriage, right? All the drugs, all the lying, all the deceit, just all those nights of sleepless nights for her, wondering where I was, if I was still alive, what I was doing, who I was with, that kind of a thing. But for whatever reason, when I found out she was seeing somebody else, man, my whole mission, you know, on top of, you know, being there for my daughter was to get her back. So I started stalking her and I started like hawking her, you know what I mean? And checking on her and and going to her house late at night to see what she was doing. And that's how I found out about the guy. I relapsed because I didn't go to a meeting and share about it. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I isolated. And when I relapsed, man, I just could not find my way back to the rooms immediately. So for two months, I would go to meetings, lie about my clean time, right? Fake it, go back out, try and get some more clean time. Meanwhile, in my head, all I keep thinking about is my daughter. I keep thinking about the meetings. Oh my God, I'm going to have to go in and turn myself in. It was horrible. It was the most horrific time of my life. And then there was that moment. There was that moment where I was on a run and my ex-wife came by with my little baby girl looking for me to try and find me. I was locked into my house, right? Doing all kinds of unmentionable things. And I'd been up for a few days and she rings the doorbell at nine o'clock in the morning. I peek out the window to see who's outside. And I see her holding my you know, 30 day old baby, man. And it was like, that was it. Like, even though for the next two months I battled to get back on top, I kept thinking about that, that moment, right? Like what a piece of garbage I was and how much I wanted to be a good father for her. So that's what it was. It was incomprehensible demoralization. I felt like a creature, right? The best way to describe it is like the walking dead. So after those two months, man, I got myself a new sponsor. He asked me if I was willing to go to any links. And I said, you tell me what to do and I will do it, man. That was it. That was the beginning of my journey. May 26th, 2003. All right. So let's talk about the climb back, the climb from the bottom Mm -hmm. to the steps that you're taking today. There's a lot on you, bro. There's a lot of amazing things that you're up to. You have some good stuff that you're doing in the addiction world. 
you got a lot of stuff going on in business. You're taking some of life's lessons and, you know, building out kind of a, a new business and a culture and a course. And you're helping, you know, like I was saying, a lot of people. I just want to acknowledge something really, really quick, you know, as I've gotten to know you over the past year and learning, you know, about what it takes to stay sober on life's terms, you know, dealing with life amongst all the noise, all the chaos, all right? The good, the bad, and the ugly brought you to where you're at today. And for the next, you know, 25, 30 minutes, we're going to talk about that journey of fulfillment. We're going to talk about that road, that next step. You may have heard me say this. I, I say it a lot and I love to clarify it. You know, I'm not above or below anybody. I'm right with you. Now, I may be a few steps ahead of you, but that doesn't mean that I'm not walking beside you, right? So I want you to get the visual. If you're listening today, get the visual as well. Imagine that we're climbing a mountain together. That's the journey we're going to go on now. Hand up. You're going to help me. I'm going to help you. We're going to get to the top together, all right? And then we're going to walk back down and that'll be the end of the show. All right. All right. I love it. So as you now humble yourself enough to get some help, you get life back. As I like to say, like, oh my gosh, it's not over. All right. There's hope. Describe what hope is to you. Well, I'll tell you what hope is. So imagine for a moment, a man, a broken man that has been doing tremendous amounts of cocaine, tons of alcohol, smoking weed every single day, popping pills to go to bed every single night, can't find his way, can't find his way to stop, cannot find his way to stop. His little girl becomes his, his focal point, battles through that first few months of trying to find a way to surrender, to really, really surrender. When that surrender finally comes and he lets go, he walks into a room with five other men, five other men who he does not know, and he walks in, he sits down, he says, my name is Omar, I'm an addict, and I need help. And it's the first time in a very long time that that man can remember having hope for anything, wanting anything else other than to either use or die. And I sat down and I asked for help, and these men proceeded to share their story with me. They proceeded to talk to me in a language that I could understand, and they came from a place of pure love and with no agenda. Hey, out of those five people in that room, when you walked in and you asked for help, how many of those five people are in those rooms today? One of them was my sponsor who died clean and sober about three years ago. One of them is a crazy madman who now has like 20 years. I think the other guys are... I think the other guys might be back out. The reason why I'm asking is because I know what the world that we live in, like I got some sober time, you got some sober time. Anybody listening probably has a little bit of sober time if they haven't picked up today, even if they're normal in between drinks. You know, it's amazing because you just sit here and you know, five people in a room like crazy. My first meeting had like 50 people. <laughs> and in that in that in that welcome meeting, to Costa Rica buddy I know I'm like <laughs> one English speaking meeting yeah well think about the word you asked me about hope think about where you came from and go into your first meeting and there's 50 guys in there and if I wanted to leave that meeting and go to another one I could and being in Costa Rica and wanting to get to an English speaking meeting and knowing that there's only one a day in this one place in all Costa Rica you know, in Colorado, we have 1,500 available meetings each week. 
1,500 and you had one. So kudos to you. All right. So you're in, in this, you got some hope, you got like an opportunity. What were you doing? What was your income like? What kind of money were you making back then? At that point, I was teetering on broke, like pretty bad. Um, like paper broke, like I had oh, yeah, change yeah, yeah, in my yeah. pocket, like no paper. Paper, paper broke because I, I was still wearing my Omega Seamaster and I was still driving a car to get to the meetings and I still had you know an apartment. My, my wife and I had some savings, right? At the time, my wife and I, who were now separated, we had a savings account, right? Because it says um, you moved to Costa Rica in 1999, the age of 29. You launched an online casino and sportsbook business. That's a great business for an addict to be in. Yes, yes, yes. And all the people that I was working with were pretty deplorable addicts. Um, would you take? And- would you take bets? Would you? Would you take payout sometimes when people were like needing to pay off a debt and drugs? What do you mean? Like if someone owed money? Uh huh. When they knew that you were an addict, would they pay you off in drugs? Would you accept that back then? Well, no, because we were an offshore book. Oh, I got it. Okay. It was all online, man. Like, it's this 21st century shit. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were safe, nestled in Costa Rica, dealing with U.S. players. All right. So, there's an interesting part in your bio that I loved, and I think this is going to be really important for this journey. So when you went to Costa Rica, you didn't have any of these addiction type qualities about you, but it says Omar was also, this is the key word, introduced to cocaine and to the late night party culture of Costa Rica. Oh my God. Have you been to Costa Rica, Tony? No. And I'm going to stay away because I like my sobriety. I'm afraid of what happens. Like I I I don't like to go to Vegas anymore because there's too many options. And like going to Mexico, too many options. It's we loud could, down here, bro. We could deep it's, dive, but I, I don't, I don't want to go backwards. Okay. I actually want to go forward. So we're right, going right. to climb now. So we're climbing up. You uh, got some hope, got some uh-huh. sobriety. It sounds like you had a sponsor. You started doing some work. Take me through that journey. So take me through from the kind of getting clean, getting your mindset. Oh my gosh, like I could do this one day at a time. I don't need to use today. Did you change your friends? Did you have to go through changing your friends to really help you to move past all of these bad things that were going on in your life? Tony, I only had to change one thing. I only had to change one thing when I came into sobriety. Do you know what that is? Everybody else, because nothing was wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. That's all that they told me. There's only one thing you have to change, and that's everything. Yeah. And, and it start and it starts with you too, which is so crazy to think. Yes. I'm not batshit crazy. Everybody around me is. That's like my thought process, right? Poor me, poor me. So you humbled yourself. You got some clean time. You got a sponsor. Business, you're broke. You you just got change. Your wife and you, your ex-wife had some savings, so you figure out how to get a little bit. How did you fast pace yourself? How did you future pace yourself now? to now then meeting your new wife. Your daughter is now 14, 15. But let's just put it this way. You know, those first 10 years, man, it wasn't any fast track, right? It was a lot of two steps forward, four steps back, right? There was a whole lot of that going on, man, because I, w- I didn't leave the gambling business. Mm. I stayed in the gambling business for, I mean, I'm going to be, let's just say 13 years, Let's just say 13 years since I left in February of this year. 
I left the gambling business in February of this year because I couldn't take it anymore. So I lived in this total, I guess it's a dichotomy, right? And I was in conflict. I was constantly in conflict with who I wanted to be and who I was destined to be and who I wanted to become and who I wanted to be with the money. So somewhere along the line, I felt entitled. Like I came here, I came here to open up an online casino and sports book. I came here to make a million dollars, to make more than a million dollars. I'm going to just stick with the gaming business. I'm going to make my money and then I'm going to get out and do something else. And it never happened, Tony. Like it was not in the cards. Like the universe, my higher power, whatever it is, there was obstacles along the way that kept preventing me, kept preventing me. And so here's the thing. If nothing changes, nothing changes. The things that changed were this. I changed my friends. So even though I was in the business, I didn't hang out with anybody in the business. My friends were in recovery. All right. And so I kept dating the same women or kept attracting the same women. I realized it's not them, it's me. So I had to do some work on me. So there was a lot of me work that came along with relationships, what came along with not just romantic relationships, but also personal relationships. So this is where it wasn't, you know how they say the overnight success, right? That that took 10 years in the making. I'm in year 20 of an overnight success. Okay. All right. So it's, it's, it's ongoing. Overnight success, 14 years in the making where it took me until February of this year. And when I met the woman of my dreams 10 years ago, it was accidentally when I went to a birthday party invited by some friends. I didn't know anyone else in that entire party. And I show up and there she is. I met my wife. But at that point in my life, my values, who I was, who I was becoming was just like busting out at the seams. So the person that she met, the person she, she saw was the potential of greatness, right? She could see beyond the bullshit. And so I never really spent a whole lot of time talking about my job or talking about the sports book. I spent my time talking about recovery and my divorce and what I went through and my family and my dysfunctional family and how the changes that I made to get through that and the change that I made to break the chains of dysfunction and codependency, you know, that had been you know, holding me back. And so it wasn't until I met her that I was really allowed to kind of spread my wings. And that's when like personal development really started to become, like I started to do an even more deep dive. permission? Did she give you permission to spread your wings? Or did you finally get to a place in your life where you knew, man, it's time to start taking complete ownership, right? Like your past is your past. Like you did what you did. It got you to where you're at. You're, you're living in some sobriety. You kind of figured out some things. You're ready to kind of quit this whole gaming online community, but you meet your wife unexpected at a birthday party. She's like there and you're like, oh my gosh, what words came out of your mouth that were different than the words coming out of your mouth when you were talking to all these other girls? What condition changed in you? Because you had some sobriety. You had that earlier, but you were dating all the wrong women. You were hanging out with all the wrong people. I want to know what that was. If you had to change everything, you didn't change it overnight. It's like you can't go from the bottom of the mountain to the top just like that. Even if you had a gondola, it it still takes time. What was that magic? Now your daughter's, you know, if I'm doing some really bad math, your daughter's three by the time you meet your new girl that you're dating and et cetera, right? I was 10 years clean. Oh, you were 10 years clean. So my daughter was oh, 10 years old. I get that. that might I was 10 years some- clean. Here's what happened. My values changed. 
That's when it. my values changed, so did my vocabulary. And so what I was looking for, I wasn't looking anymore to be a hero. I wasn't looking to save anybody, right? That's what changed. I realized that I'd spent all my years trying to save somebody, trying to be a hero. And, you know, usually when that would happen, if I was taking that role, eventually I would take them hostage, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't until I changed my moral compass shifted, my values shifted. And what I was looking for in myself, what I wanted for myself, it just manifested itself in my wife. And I will tell you, because you just asked me a question, a very important question, right? She saw something in me that I couldn't even see in myself. And working in the gambling business, I had these horrible back pains. I constantly needed to go get physical therapy. I mean, like horrific back pains. She goes, she goes, you know what's happening? She goes, you're trying to spread your wings and you're not allowing it. There is greatness in you. And you're not allowing yourself to set yourself free. The back pain will end when you spread your wings. So I don't know if that's permission or if that's just, you know, what she's always been. She's been just, this is the most ridiculous thing I'm about to say, the wind beneath my wings. And you even saw me go in there. But, you know, the thing is my wife, no matter what's going on with us, good, bad, or indifferent, right? She sees the greatness in me that I can't see in myself. And she pushes me and she pushes me and she's never doubted me for a minute. And I know that God put her in my life so that I could learn how to use my wings so I could launch. And she was my inspiration for the podcast. She was the one who gave me the balls to finally like stop. It's, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Just go, just go. Just launch this thing. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast because, you know, that's how we got connected and the chance yep. to really meet. So you decided to launch the SHARE podcast, which, which stands for Sharing Helps Addicts in Recovery. It launches every week. You have multiple shows. You're, you're doing some really cool behind-the-scenes Facebook lives into the group. It's growing rapidly. I think when I started being a part of it and listening and, and getting to know you, 1,000 people, Three, four thousand people now, just a million downloads, just one of the the better podcasts because I like all the stuff that I'm working on. You're having the real conversations. You're not you're not sugarcoating it. There's there's no way to sugarcoat pain. Pain no. is pain, and you've experienced yes. a lot, and you actually are probably experiencing a lot more pain these days, but also probably from a different place of understanding and unforgiveness. And you you've been able to help a lot of people. Let's talk about. I want to break this into three pieces. We're going to talk real quick about your podcast. We talked a little bit about the name. You can maybe take me kind of some of the aha moments you've discovered. So that'll be one chunk, aha moments podcast. Number two, how you got into more involvement in recovery in Costa Rica and how you're actually kind of working to give back. You're, You're making a living and you're giving back. And then the third piece, which I really want to talk about, which is now what? Now you got your share. Now you got the recovery. You've seen the light, like the stuff that you and I talk about offline that we really are talking about is where you're going. All these things are things that you get to experience now that you're clean and sober. But there's like this one piece. It's like you and your wife and what you're really working on. So let's go back to your podcast. Tell me what it's like to interview addicts and drug addicts and alcoholics and people in recovery. Well, this is the big part of the fulfillment piece in my life. I'm one of those guys that was going to meetings And I got kind of sick of 
some of the the self righteousness that was going on in the meetings and some of the what I would call Nazism, right? And uh, I'm not a person that really adheres to rules, so I like to push against the seams. And I always pushed back. I went to AA meetings. I went to NA meetings. And, you know, I would get criticized for going to both. I had an NA sponsor when I started. I switched to an AA sponsor. And it's like, whose fucking business is it anyway how I manage my recovery? And it would frustrate me, right? And so I started listening to podcasts. And one of the podcasts that I, my favorite podcast was Entrepreneur on Fire when I first started listening to podcasts. And he started doing this podcaster's paradise. And I said, I don't even know where the inspiration came from, but I, w- I loved it so much that I was like, I'm going to launch my own podcast and I'm going to be, it's going to be killing it in Costa Rica, entrepreneurs in Costa Rica that are killing it. Right. And I remember my wife, she's going, that's terrible. You got to come up with a different name and this and that. And I just got stuck. And I remember listening to a book. I do audiobooks. I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk and his book, Crush It. And he got to a part in the book where he said, forget about making money. Double down on what you're passionate about, what you love, what gets you up in the morning, what you're excited about. Focus 100% on that thing and the money will come. And so I said, well, what am I passionate about? What is it the one thing that above anything else I, I actually like love to do? And I go, well, I love recovery. You know, I love being a sponsor. I love helping people. And I'm like, oh my God, a recovery podcast. Boing. So an aha moment, right? I went and talked to my wife about it and she's like, that's fantastic. Fantastic. And so she's the one that helped me with the name. We're the ones that came up. I couldn't come up with the A. I was like on the air, recovery on the air, in the air. When I have all this stuff, like I wanted to use something in the air. And she's like, well, you know, what do you guys do? I go, well, we, we share. She goes, okay, well, sh- um, sharing helps addicts in recovery. So call it share. You know, my, my wife just has these, just, I, I ramble incessantly for hours. And then out of those hours, she can take 30 seconds from it and extract the gold, right? That's how the, the podcast launched. My format was about, I wanted real people's stories. And today, my number one downloads for the Share Podcast are the most down-to-earth people that nobody knows about, that don't write books, that aren't speakers, that they just get up there and they're the person next door and they tell you the most unbelievable rock bottom stories and that their lives have morphed into these amazing lives. And I get to, I get to be on the phone with these people and feel the, this journey. I get to take this journey with them. And there's no way to describe the feelings that I get, the times that I've cried, you know, with my guests, which are some of the most impactful and powerful episodes that I have, Gut Level Honest with George D, where he talks about being molested for 13 years by his father, and him and I are literally crying through half of that episode. And I mean, I just remember thinking to myself, I can't believe that, that I'm like, I have the honor and the privilege to be able to take someone's message and help thousands of people, right? And so that's what the Share Podcast is for me. I, I, it's every week that I get this opportunity to interview people one day and then release an episode the next. No, I mean, it's powerful stuff. And I mean, it, it kind of paints a really 
amazing and beautiful picture of who, who you are as a human being. I mean, to sit with somebody, to listen to their pain, to allow them a place and a platform to share and to also know that deep down inside they're helping themselves, but they're helping so many others. Number two, your heart's so big, you don't have enough to do. So you decide to go and work at a recovery center. <laughs> so now yeah, you're helping. I, I to, I, every day I come in here, it's like, I love what I do. Why did I take this job? I love right. what I do. It's an emotional roller coaster. But I will tell you this, since I have gotten on board on this journey and come to a recovery center as a counselor and the guys that leave here, the guys that leave here and add me to what's up mm. and they send me once a week, they go, Hey dude, I'm okay. Just so you know, I'm okay. Hey, got, Hey, Oh, I said, Hey, Oh, I got 90 days. What it's all about, bro. It, ain't a, it, it sure ain't about the money. Oh, <laughs> you know, it ain't fucking ain't about the money. I mean, I basically, I basically <laughs> do service work. You know what I mean? Because you know what? It doesn't feel like a job. Like I show up no, here and no, I talk and, to guys all day. I talk to guys all day about recovery. Yeah, the power of having fun. I love this. I, I actually do love this job. I love this job and I help. I love these guys. They're my family and I hang out with them. And they lean on me and I lean on them. And, and I'm learning a lot, right? This isn't the end game at all. Because a lot of it does come with uh, trepidation on their part, right? Like a lot of them come in, they don't even want to be here. You know, they don't even want to be here, you know? So there, but there are people out there like me <laughs> that want to change, that want help and, you know, mm. and like are willing to ask for help and take the guidance and take the suggestions, you know, even when we don't, even when we don't want to, you know, but we want to be a better person every single day. Like every single day, I'm trying to be better than yesterday. You know, what can I do today? You know, that's going to help me be better. Anybody who's listening right now, oh, just dropped something so simple, but yet we seem to screw it up. You know, Gary speaks of it. I believe that's the only way to live your life. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. So find something that's fun in your life and go all in and explore yeah. what that looks like. So many people right? That's why I'm not calling the show. Let's talk about money. That's why the whole focus isn't about <laughs> let's, let's talk about money. I know a lot of wealthy people. And to be honest with you, I may, may offend some people here. A lot of wealthy people don't have a really an exceptional life. They're chasing something. Now, now that great qualities of, of a wealthy person, you could describe what that looks like. I know that it isn't money. And Jim Rohn talks about it. And I love this line, you know, would you rather be on a beach with all of your friends and have a nice tent and celebrate life. And I'm going to screw up the, the, the perfect quote or be alone and be on a mansion on the hill. Like you pick your path, right? One of the quotes that I've always said is like, I'm not doing all of this so I can have all my money and success and be by myself. I want to share with others, right? And money to me is not why I'm doing what I do. I don't go to the office to make money. Well, don't tell my partners that I do. It's really because inside me is this desire to serve and to help others. And by giving back, I get everything I need. And I help somebody today. That fills my cup. By doing so and introducing people to new services and opportunities, we built a business over the last 16 years. I'm coming up on nine years of sobriety. And the key, this is the key to the kingdom. This is the key to what we're talking about today is find that thing deep down inside of you, the thing that wakes you up and keeps you up all day and you dream about all night. And if that's helping others, man, 
that is the best gift you can possibly give because there is the give back. The give back is the thing that allows you to help yourself by staying clean, helping another person to hopefully not pick up today. We can't help them to not pick up. We can be there to be support for them. Ultimately, that's the battle they have to fight. How bad do you want this? And it sounds like what you're finding is a lot of people who have found the fight and are not quitting. They're giving themselves day in and day out, battle, battle, battle. But we do also journey inside your addiction recovery center. We do go inside the Share Podcast Network. We see people go in, out, go in, out, go in, out, go in, out. Like we see people fighting that battle. But we need people like you, more people like you, who are there to be support and not like, oh, they had too bad. You'll probably feel like you've always done. You're the opposite. You're like, come on, let's figure it out. Let's get back on the horse. Let's ride again. Like that's encouraging to me. I also, uh, before we jump into the third step, I want to give kudos to your wife. I know you do, but I think I would have loved to know what you're like from early sobriety until up until you met your wife and then how much you've actually probably grown and changed since meeting your wife and how different your probably relationship is with your daughter just in that short period of time. Because what I've gotten out of our conversation today is you're willing but her willingness to push you so you become a little bit more willing to try a little bit more, to not be afraid of failure because she's not leaving you. She's right with you. It's like you're doing good. You're helping so many others. So she's helping you to finally help yourself. That's the gift that I get listening to you today because I know as an addict and in recovery, the hardest person, and we've talked about this on the show, is to be able to love ourselves. Yes. And I'm just sitting here. I'm just in awe bro. I mean, like, I know we talk on WhatsApp and we, we have these deep kind of conversations, but man, like how awesome is it for you today to be able to share what you're so passionate about and to get emotional and to have feelings today? Because when your ex was knocking on the door and your daughter was in her arms and you're peeking through it, that's not the person today. You're not hiding out. You're playing full out. You're living your dreams out. You're doing things today that you couldn't imagine when you were in the mess. Now your message is so powerful. That's what you're sharing with the world. And so we're going to transition enough addiction stuff. We'll talk about that on another show. If you want to download his episodes, find the share podcast network, download amazing shows, join his community. There's so much to figure out. But now as we, as we get ready to get to the peak, the, the kind of the height of what we're doing as we talk about success and fulfillment, how have you been able to take those two elements, your past history and sobriety, life and addiction and all that stuff, gambling, all the things that you know about, and then what's the new thing that you're working on? I am. Like, I feel like I'm at at least halfway up the mountain, right? But it's really, really cold and I'm digging in, right? And I can't see too far in front of me, right? So I need to stay close to you know, my community, right? My network of people. And I know when we did our interview, man, I had just recently quit the casino business. I didn't have a job. I didn't know what direction I was going in. And I just felt so comfortable in our interview. And it was like, after the show, I was like, dude, can you help me? Because I was lost. I know what I want to do. Like, the thing is that if if you're like me, which, you know, there's probably plenty of us out there that we know what we want to do, but we have no idea, no idea how to get there, what it's going to take to get there, what are the steps, how long it's going to take, how much it's going to cost, how much pain I'm going to have to endure. 
right? And so you play it safe. You play it safe. You stay small, right? And the thing is that we were all born with these amazing gifts, amazing, beautiful gifts. And we trade that in to play it safe, to play it small, to be small. And, you know, you ask for help and somebody gives you some suggestions and it's like, oh my God, I don't know if I like those suggestions, but then you take a couple of them and and they start to work, right? And they start to work. And then I start to ask myself the question that a lot of people are afraid to ask ourselves. What do you want? Like, what do you really want? I just want to, I want to help people. Like you asked me, what are you passionate about recovery? Okay. So how does that look like? What does that look like? What, what, what is it you can offer? And I get stuck. I get stuck in my own limited beliefs about what mm-hmm. that looks like or what that means. But I need help. I need to ask somebody like Tony. I need to get in a mastermind group that I did. And I need to make friends like Larry Hagner and Vincent Puglisi. And like, there's people that I have met that are now in my life that I refer to like Tony, that when I'm lost, I go to them. Like, what should I do, man? Like, I've got all this stuff going on. And of course, like they tell me stuff that I don't want to hear. And then they challenge me to go do it anyway. And then all of a sudden, as you break through these fears, you start to see that, you know what? I'm a powerful public speaker. I'm someone that connects with people on such such a deep level. I instinctively know how to read people. I instinctively know how to connect with people. I am a dynamic host. There are words that I use today to describe myself that even a year ago I could not use. The level of, of amazing that I have been able to reach in the, in the recent, in the last year, blow my mind. But when I realize my innate capability to connect with people, guide them, teach them, I walked into this job, never being a counselor before in my life and walked into a classroom and just started teaching people how to live a better life, how to look at recovery differently, how to take the stigma away from it, how to reinvent yourself and then change the direction of your life, you know, just by asking yourself better questions, right? So that's what's on the horizon is my ability to launch a business where I can just do that full time. And I know that you and I have been going back and forth on how to do that. You know, talking about being in a, a, a you know, I want to be a life coach. I am a life coach. You know, I, I want to do an online course. I want to do an online community, these different possibilities. But I don't think I gave myself the opportunity to do that until the last six months of my life. Yeah. And we were talking about Mr. Miyagi and Daniel son, right? Wax on, wax off. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do this? Tony, why do I have to do this? Just do it. Don't ask questions. Don't Don't ask ask questions. Wax on, wax off. (laughs) All day, every day. The more that you, more that you understand that you don't need to know, that's the biggest problem of our brain. I think that's the closed circuit. We have to always, uncertainty. Oh yeah. We have to, until you tell me what my path is, like I was in my business meeting today with my partners and, and we were talking about evaluations and trying to get our business to 50 million a year. And we were talking about all the things that we need to do. How much? 50 million a year. Oh. <laughs> but hey, I'm not here to talk about money, but no one, <laughs> no one understands unless you've been in these shoes that I'm in year 20 with one business partner and year yeah. 16 with my other business partner. And this is a long journey. And when we moved to Colorado almost seven years ago, I mean, I've never really shared this. I don't think I've ever shared this uh, before. Uh, we moved here. You know, I, I was a couple of years into sobriety. I was making $1,000 a month. 
I was pulling money from my 401k to figure out how to survive. I, I was almost a million dollars in debt. You know, I owed a ton of money to the IRS, back taxes and, you know, just this and that and short sailed my house. And, and I use that just like I use my sobriety as a vehicle, as a vessel for my mindset. There's an old saying from Bob Proctor, uh, you know, you got to build a new model that makes the old model obsolete. And I heard that from Buckminster Fuller, but I really started understanding it from Bob Proctor at a deeper level, which is a paradigm shift. That's what you experienced six months ago. And it's also what you experienced when you met your wife. And it's also what you experienced when you, you made the realization you need to stop dating certain people because you were always hanging out with the same crowd and you were attracting all that. And the same thing is when you decided, you know, I need, to, I need to get some help. You've had some paradigm shifts and you need to keep being mindful of those things. So when I was sitting today talking with my business partners, I said, can we take 50 million off the table? They said, what do you mean? I said, I need to close the circuit. I said, for me, it's not the money that I, I don't come to work every day to try to get to $50 million. I come today so differently than I did when I launched my business. When we were in our 20s, we just wanted to have some fun and make some money. If I get back to that, that's play. That's why I want to come to work. I want to play and what can we create today and how, how can we create fun for our community, for our partners and our clients, everybody here. And I think we get away from fun and, and we lose focus. So then our focus isn't on trying to improve systems and strategy. We can still have fun around that, but those are like big boy questions and big conversations that you need to have. I can get lost really quick when you start bringing like a number to the table because in my mind, I will always beat it. You tell me it can't be done as an addict. I'm like, screw you. I'll show you. You know, you tell me you can't gamble and I'm like, okay, I can't gamble. If people would say like, can we get to $100 million or, you know, I think we can get to $100 million. I'm probably going to say to myself, no, I don't think we can get to $100 million. I think we can get to 200. I'm always going to challenge the question, no matter what. My brain doesn't know how to close the circuit. So today I walked out of the meeting and I just said, you know what? I'm going to be all right. Let's do 50 million. And I just decided to change my paradigm because I was allowing it to get in the way of the master plan, which is how we can affect these people's lives, the people who have stepped forward, who said yes to us, our vision, our mission, our decisions to do what we do. I want to help take care of them. So now I've got 33 people that we're bringing in and putting them in our boat and we're going to row together. So we're going to do some things differently. So I had to change my mindset around how I was looking at the problem. I look at the solution today with us on our conversation. Everything goes back to like small decisions. Playing small is actually something that I want to look at some more with you offline in another conversation. I've always had to play big. I always had to hit the grand slam instead of just getting a hit, just to get on first base. Always had to keep up with the Joneses. I always had to do it better. I don't win you up. If I, if I lost one game, I'd get in your mind to play game number two. Like I've always manipulated the situation because that's my behavior, my patterns. As we get to this top and I'm like, dude, I want to push you over the top. I don't want you to say you're halfway you're at the top of your mountain every single day you wake up and you live your life. Just like every person listening, they get, that is a brand new day. You've never experienced this day with anybody. Like you've never been at whatever time we're reading at 57 past the hour. You've never been on this interview in this day ever before. That is something brand new you experienced. What else brand new can you experience today? Risk, take chances, don't be afraid. Download more Gary V. Listen to the people that motivate you. Find your passion, light yourself on fire, not physically, but like, 
in your mind, light yourself on fire so that you understand deep down inside. Like you have to learn how to ignite. Don't be afraid of being put out, but ignite yourself. Don't worry about somebody walking around with a fire extinguisher going to put you out. Those are the haters. Those are the people who want to put you out. You got to find the ways in your mind to say, I can do better. And that's what I heard with you say. I heard you say, I can do better. I can do better. I can get to the next level. That's why I don't want you to have that limiting belief that you're halfway. You are mm. where you're supposed to be. You're at the top of your mountain. Now, hey, just because you're at the top doesn't mean you can stay there because someone's coming to push you over. Someone's coming to push you down. What are you going to do to stay up there? I don't know if you ever played the game when you were a kid. Like you were like king of the hill and you had to do everything in your power to stay on the top without getting pushed yes. down. And you have to do that today. You have to fight for what you want and you have to, you have to go home and you have to talk to your queen and you have to tell her thanks. Thanks for pushing you to the top because that's where you're at. It's not money. It's not like, Ooh, Oh, it's got a Lamborghini and a private jet and we're flying around the world. And no, your success comes in service and that service is valuable. One day your name will be read and the legacy you have left. That is, that is the, the ideal behind success for me is the dash in between the day you were born and the day you die. What will that dash read? How will you be interpreted? How will people describe you? That is success. And I know deep down inside that your success is overflowing. That's the stuff that I'm reminded of today. So I can honestly say that if I were to die tomorrow, there's nothing that, that I would regret. There's nothing that I'm ashamed of. There's nothing that, that I don't leave behind that I didn't purposely that I didn't live with purpose to leave behind. I want to do one thing. I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back and do the fulfillment round, ask you a couple questions. We'll end the show and uh, just want to say thanks, but hold on to your seatbelts because this ride's going to get a little bumpy as we get ready to come back <laughs> down the mountain, get you back down to normalcy for a day. All right. <laughs> Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers. Clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right. Oh, we are back on the Be Fulfilled show the real stories behind success. We have gone on a journey today. I know it's been a little up and down, but you know what? What it sounds like is you have purpose, you have desire, you have dreams, you have aspirations today. You have a lot of amazing people supporting you on your journey. I don't believe anything's easy. I believe you show up every single day, you're ready to climb, ready to fight, ready to help others. That is something that I believe is instilled in all of us. I think inside all of us is that potential of greatness. I think you've just tapped into it. You found it. You're living it out. By no means are you claiming to be a guru or I've, I've got it all figured out. You're still learning. You're taking risks. You're taking chances. You're, you have this ability today about you, a way that is very hard to describe other than gentle, kind, loving, caring, somebody who wants to do good and isn't looking for kudos. You're actually really, you just love to show up big and you love to put a smile into the world because you know that you can see, and I feel it, a lot of darkness. And in the rooms of recovery and in addiction and treatment centers, a lot of uncertainty and you bring hope and you show people what's possible by being the living example, by saying, look, 
I've been there too. And that's a gift that very few people really ever get to experience because they're afraid of failure, of looking bad. And like I said, I want you to go in tonight and be with your wife and look at her differently and tell her, thank you. I already know that your heart already says to your daughter, what a gift, what an amazing uh, way of helping you to find hope and inspiration for turning the shit show around from literally <laughs> turning everything that you um, did into um, a living miracle. You know, bro, I'm, I'm honored and privileged to have you on uh, the inaugural season of Be Fulfilled and where we're going and what we're doing. I want guests like you, people who just ramble, but share from the heart. I don't want pre-scripted crap. I don't want something written down on tons of piece of paper that I have to read about my guest. I, I want to feel my guest. And I hope my audience gets to feel your passion through the interview process. And if you're listening today and you're like, how do I tap into more of, oh, don't worry, in the show notes, we'll put it. You can look this amazing human being up online at thesharepodcast.com. Share is S-H-A-I-R, podcast.com. Oh, is always available to talk to people. That's the one thing that I love. He doesn't have a no policy. He has a yes policy. How can I be of service today? That's the giver's heart. And that's what I love. You're not living in your head. You're living in your heart. And from there, that's where you found service. As we get ready to end the show, we're going to ask some fulfillment questions. You do your best to answer them. You live in one of the most beautiful places I've never visited, but I've seen some amazing photos. My wife, I have some friends who have visited Costa Rica many times. I'm going to put it on my bucket list to come and visit you. Yes. I know that we're talking about you visiting us in Italy at my next live event we're going to be doing. So we'll get more details on that. But are you ready for the fulfillment round? I am ready. All right, Hollywood's writing a new script and they need a lead actor to play in the life story, the biography of Omar Pinto. But Omar's too busy in recovery and helping other addicts to uh, take a break. And you're looking around Hollywood. What actor could fill you and play you in a movie? Vin Diesel. Really? Yeah. He's a badass. Yes. <laughs> Correct. All right. All right. Can you give me a line? Can you sound like Vin Diesel for a moment? Shit, that's a good question. All right. Uh, we'll move on no, to the next one. Move I don't on to the next one. All right. Your bucket list was maybe Costa Rica. Where's a place that you've never been in the world that you'd like to go? Bali. My wife and I wanted to go to Bali for a month on a spiritual uh, wellness retreat. One of my friends recently got back from that. And of course, Italy. Because, you know, Italy is the land of romance. Hmm. So there's, uh, there's two bucket list ones. But, dude, Bali, I'm so spiritually connected. Like everywhere, I try and go someplace where I can connect on that level, right? And Bali, after hearing about that trip, that's definitely high, high, high on my list. All right. I don't want to make you cry. I know that you're a pretty emotional guy. So I don't want to make you cry. But I want you to get ready to think differently for the next couple seconds as we ask this next question. Your wife's sitting next to you. What's your wife's name, by the way? Marcela. She's sitting right next to you. And you're looking right at her. I know you say a lot that she's the love of your life and you're so thankful and grateful. But why are you so thankful and grateful for your partner? Because she inspires. No, 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 no. No, she's right next to you. Just literally speak oh, to her. you are going to fuck me up, aren't you? Really? See? We're doing this? Yeah. Oh, um, honey, I can't do this without you. I, I don't know how I made it this far, but I'm so grateful that I don't have to worry about what tomorrow is going to look like. 
because I know you're in it. So I've got no fears. I'm just ready to go. Thank you. You're an asshole, Tony. We won't edit that part out. We'll keep that. <laughs> I may be an ass. I may be an asshole, but I'm not an asshole. Oh, so, um, God. All right. Two more questions. I didn't for think you. you were going to be able to do that, but you, you got me. Two more questions before we rock out of here. Where do you think you'd be if you didn't get clean and sober today? Dead. That's an easy question. Dead. The person listening saying, you know what? It sounds so easy. It sounds so inspirational. It sounds so motivating. It's just get clean. I just say no. I just stop using. I get some help. But they're holding on. What would you tell them? (sighs) Never, ever, ever, ever lose hope. Ever lose hope. I prayed for death, but God came through. And there was a voice that was louder than I could ever be that helped me get through the next day and get to a meeting. And it saved my life, a life beyond my wildest dreams. Never, ever, ever lose hope and never give up. All right. We're going to end the show with purpose. I think there's some faith today. We just, we talked about some faith going all in. Anything's possible. You can do it. Hope. I hope your time today has been uh, memorable. It's been meaningful. It's been very helpful for me. The insight's been fantastic. Um, I asked you a question at the very beginning. How would you describe success? We just went on a journey for the last you know, hour or so. What other word would you add to your definition of success? The list is long, Tony. Friendships, fulfillment, helping others, being of service, being a good father, being a good husband, being a good son, living your legacy, man. That's what success means to me, living your legacy. All right. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, no matter where you go, just remember one thing. Make today the best day of your life. Always just a click away. All the show notes available at TonyGrubmeyer.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.